Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Neil. Um, I'm head of children's ministry at Calvary Chapel, South London. And I'd just like to welcome you today to um, this third week in a mini-series. This series leads up to Easter Sunday, and it's called Rescued. And it's looking at the, the different aspects of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So the series is in five parts. And the first part you heard about two weeks ago by Pastor Ephraim, and that was called Rescued from Sin. Uh, Last week was Pastor Robert, and uh, that one was called Rescued from Rejection. And this week we're going to look at Rescued from Slavery. And as was mentioned earlier, Good Friday, um, we're going to have a Good Friday service, and that one's going to be Rescued from Wrath. Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is going to be Rescued from Guilt. And as Pastor Rob said last week, salvation is the big picture. And these aspects that we're looking at, they are the details. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Please keep changing us by your gospel. Keep changing us by the gospel of your grace and help us to be steadfast in you. Help us to recognize that What you did on the cross has set us free. Amen. So rescued from slavery. What is slavery? Hopefully this won't be too complicated. Slavery is the state of being an unpaid servant. And it can be in a positive or a negative sense. In a positive sense, slavery is when an individual has the choice to come under the obedience of another. This is what we as Christians do. When we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we willingly serve him. We serve him because of the goodness of God that has been shown to us. Slavery in a negative sense is when an individual does not have the choice to come under the obedience of another but is forced to. It's slavery where an individual is held against their will, either through force or fraud to to perform an act for another person's economic gain. And this is the slavery that we hear about today. It's what we see on TV. It's what we hear on the radio. It's what we read in the newspapers. We hear or we read or we see about human trafficking, which is the fastest growing criminal industry on earth. Human trafficking is, is made up of, is, a, is an unlawful trade in drugs, weapons, and in human beings. There are more slaves in the world today than there are at any time in human history. Men, women, children forced into labor camps forced to fight wars, forced to have sex with clients in brothels. Human trafficking is not as widespread in the West where we are, but it does exist over here, and it's mostly in the form of sex slavery. It reminds me of that time. It reminds me of the film called Taken with Liam Nielsen. Has anybody seen that? It's a scary film, isn't it? where he plays the father of a teenage daughter who travels to Paris with her girlfriend. And when they get to Paris, 
There's a guy who acts as a friend and helps them to get to where they're staying. Unknown to them, he's setting them up to be kidnapped. And at a point in the movie, Liam Nielsen phones his daughter and he's speaking with her. When some men arrive and take the daughter's friend, the daughter sees this and she screams, they've taken her. Liam Nielsen says to his daughter, I don't know how he does this, but he says, go to the bedroom, lie under the bed. Then he says to her, remain calm. How are you going to remain calm? The next bit is very important. They're going to take you. And that's what, and what happens is that the daughter and the friend are sold into the sex trade. Neil, Liam Nielsen then proceeds to, to go and get her. Lord knows, look, if that was me, I wouldn't even know where to start. But praise God, we can start with prayer. And you know, that, that was a film. But it happens in reality. You know what I mean? There's, there's people, I don't know if you've seen, I look at The Voice quite a lot, and there, there was this individual, or these two individuals were bringing um, children over from another country and selling them into sex. It happens. And if you've got children, you don't want this to happen to them. But this is the world that we live in. Individually, we have things that we have become slaves to. They take the form of addictions. What are you addicted to? What are you a slave to? To drugs, to alcohol, to sex, to pornography, to soaps? It's true, though, isn't it? You know, Sky TV has made it easier, hasn't it? You can just record it and then watch it later. I could go on, but you know, you know your addiction. With these, with these addictions, our desire is, to, is always to have more. The little bit that we start off with is fine, but then the second time around, you find that it's, it's never satisfying. And what you do is, and what you find is that you need to increase your activity or your dose so that each time feels like the first. You then become a slave to that addiction. And instead of you controlling it, it controls you. What is the cause of this? What is the cause of human, human trafficking, of these addictions? What is the cause of slavery? Why do people do wrong things? In John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The answer to what is the cause of slavery is sin. Jesus is saying in this verse that the reason that slavery exists is because of sin. People who practice sin become slaves to it. Sin in people's lives is making them act irrational, making them chase after something that is unlawful, making them a slave to it. But why are we slaves to sin? Humankind, since the Garden of Eden, has sinned every day of its life. And so we have become slaves to sin. We cannot help but do wrong. 
No matter what we do compared to God, it's sin. We practice sin. Every day is another day of disobedience. Every day we're just trying to mind our own business. And that's it. We're minding our own business instead of God's. Isaiah 64, 6 says, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment or filthy rags as it says in the King James Version. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Every aspect of our life, of our lives is corrupted by sin. The purpose of our life is, as we heard earlier, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we're not able to, and God is angry. He's angry at our sin. When we hear of some sort of injustice which happens to to someone we know, we get angry. For instance, last year when my son came home with a bloody nose from being hit by a bully at his school, I got angry. My wife got angry. (laughs) She was ready to take them out, take out the whole family. I just, when we drove around there, I said, you know what, just stay in the car. I will go and speak to the man. (coughs) We get angry. God gets angry. God is angry at our sin. The Bible says that we are slaves to someone called Satan, also known as the devil. 1 John 15 says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Satan is the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of Satan. So Satan can do what he wants with human beings. It also says in the Bible that we're not just slaves to Satan, but we're slaves to sin. Romans 7, 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. So this is a picture of being a slave to sin. Now a slave does whatever his boss tells him to do. So if you're a slave to sin, you sin all the time. If you're a slave to Satan, you obey what Satan wants you to do. This is not a good situation for mankind. And the problem with sin is the result of sin, which is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The idea there is that when you sin... You're doing work. But at the end of the month or at the end of your lifetime, you don't get paid with money, you get paid with death. If we didn't sin, we might not die. But we do sin, and so we do die. This is a problem for mankind. It's a problem for you. It's a problem for me. We're slaves to Satan. We're slaves to sin. And our payment for living a sinful life is death. This is a prison we can't get out of. Prison break is not happening here. 
You can't do a deal with anyone to pay so that you can get out of this. There's no one on earth who can pay. There's no one on earth who can pay to stop you from dying, to stop you from, from sinning, to stop Satan from ever having anything to do with your life. So we can't get out of our situation ourselves. We can't pay our way out of slavery. What are we going to do? There is hope. Psalms 49, 7 to 9 says, Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that we should live on forever and never see the pit. So this psalm says no one can rescue a friend or themselves. They can't do it by paying any money to stop themselves from dying and to make themselves live forever. I don't care how rich you are or how rich your friend is, you can't do it. And in verse 8, there is a price for human life and that price is too high. It suggests that there is an amount that could be paid so that we could live forever. Just like when people kidnap a child and then demand a ransom so that the child will be released. Here we find a ransom, a ransom price for a human being to live forever. The good thing is that Jesus can pay it and he did. Jesus pays for your way out. He pays for my way out. He pays the ransom price. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to the earth around 2,000 years ago. He didn't come to, for us to all serve him. He didn't turn up and say, now you do this and, and you do that. No, he came to serve all of mankind by giving his life as a ransom. So his life is the price for human beings to live forever. No one can pay the price, but he can, and he did. He paid the price with his life. In 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. So Peter is talking about your empty way of life, which you inherited from your ancestors. He's talking about the lives we live, where we go where we do wrong, where we sin, where we serve Satan. He's saying that you're, you were actually ransomed from that. And he says that we're ransomed with silver. We're not ransomed with silver or gold. We're not ransomed with anything on this earth, but we're ransomed by the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus' blood, which was spilt on the cross, that was the price for us. That was the ransom price. And the reason why that was enough was because Jesus was not fully man, was not just fully man, but he was fully God. So Jesus being fully God and fully man 
let himself be killed. His blood was shed for us. And that was a good enough price. If I say I'm going to die for myself, that's just one life. And when I've killed myself, when I've ended my life right there and then, well, that's it. I can't do that for someone else. I can't say I'm going to die for myself and for someone else, but God can. And he says, if I die, this will pay for many people. And those people are the people who accept his payment. They accept what Jesus did for them on the cross. It says in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace. So in this verse it says, we've got, re- we've got this redemption through his blood. The word redemption is, is the word that was used for buying a slave and setting him free. So back in those times, if you, if you go into the marketplace, they would have lined up slaves waiting to be bought. The idea is that you go and you pay for a slave and then you own him. But what you could do is pay for that slave and release him from slavery. This is what is called redemption. So what Jesus is doing here in this verse is paying a price so that the people who are slaves to Satan, who are slaves to sin and death, can be set free. They can be released. That's what the word redemption means. And because of that, you get the forgiveness of your trespasses. You get, the, you get free from your sin. So because he's paid the price and set you free from sin and death, you can be forgiven of your sins. In Colossians 1, 13 to 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So in this verse, we have the same thing. We have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. But not only that, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. We've been transferred from, from Satan's kingdom where, where all we do is wrong and we've been transferred into the kingdom of the son that God loves. So when you're redeemed, it's not just that you just that you go off and do your own thing. You're redeemed so that you, you go into God's kingdom and you serve him in that kingdom. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil and deliver all those who, fear, who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So here we see that we're set free from death and we're set free from the devil. And now that we understand this, that Jesus died on the cross, that he paid the price with his blood, the question that remains is how should we respond to that? How should we respond? The answer is in 1 Corinthians 6.20, which says, for we were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 
So the message to people who accept that Jesus died on the cross for them is to realize that God paid a big price. God didn't just pull out some money out of his pocket and say, you're free. But he came to earth, he lived 30 years, he was badly beaten, he was mocked, he was spat at. He was then put on a cross and he had nails in his feet and in his hands and then he died a really slow and horrible death. That was a big price to be paid to set us free from the devil and from sin. In Isaiah 53, seven to eight, it says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. The prophet Isaiah, looking forward in time, predicts the suffering that Jesus would go through. He predicts the price that he would have to pay to set us free. He says Jesus was oppressed and afflicted. And that word afflicted is not just that the fact that he was punished, but that he humbled himself and voluntarily accepted his punishment. Knowing all this beforehand, Jesus went to his death calmly. He submitted himself to the will of his Father in heaven. And in this text, we see that Jesus became a slave to sin to set us free. Jesus set me free. Jesus set you free. The result of what Christ went through, of the price that he paid, is so that we should glorify God in our bodies. That is the purpose of life, to glorify God. But you can't glorify God when you're still a slave to sin. You're still a slave to Satan. And that's why Jesus has to pay That's why Jesus has to pay to bring us out of darkness and to transfer us into God's wonderful kingdom. And only then can we glorify God. Why did Jesus die for us? So that we could glorify God. You don't hear many people say that too often, but that's what Jesus died for. He died because we were slaves to sin He died because we were held captive by Satan. And in his death, Jesus bought slaves. He bought me and he bought you. And now we can have a relationship with God and we can glorify him forever. So how should we respond to Jesus' death? Well, the answer is to accept it. The Bible says that he is a ransom for many. And now there are many people who accept it, but there are also those who reject it, who say, I don't need Jesus. I'm good enough by myself. Or they say, I'm not ready yet. And what the Bible says is if you don't accept this, then what Jesus did on the cross doesn't count for you. It's very important we understand that we respond to Jesus' death and say, Jesus, I accept the price that you paid for me with your blood. I know I'm not good enough, 
I'm not good enough to pay for my own sins, but I accept what you did and I put my trust in you. Saying that and believing that is really important. And once you've accepted what Jesus has done, you then need to say, okay, I want to glorify God. That's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to glorify God because I've been set free. Bought with a price so that I can glorify God right now. That doesn't mean we believe in Christ and then do whatever we want with our lives. Because if that was the case, then the question is, have you really become a Christian? Because you're bought with a price to glorify God. You're not bought and then set free to go and do your own thing. So that you can, yeah, so that you can do your own thing. But some people may think that that way and say, it's all about getting my sins forgiven. Then I can live and do whatever I want with my life. But it's not. It's about being set free so that we can serve God. What happens with our relationship with Satan? Do we still have loyalty to him? No. Because if you've accepted what, what's happened on the cross for you, then you don't work for Satan anymore. You don't belong to him. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and been put into the kingdom of light. So then every now and again, you're, you're going to hear little voices in your head telling you to do this and to do that, trying to con you into thinking that you're still working for the old job, still working under your old job at the, the last place you worked. But you don't now. You work for Jesus. You're glorifying Jesus. You're glorifying God. So it's like if you, if you worked at McDonald's, but now you've got a job working in Jamie Oliver's restaurant. I was going to use KFC because I like chicken, but my wife said no. And if your old boss from McDonald's turns up one day and says, you know what, we need, to, we need you to come in and work on weekend and to do some work for us, you're going to say, no, I don't work for you anymore. I work for Jamie Oliver. And in the same way, we stop working for Satan and we start working for Jesus. Later on, we may hear a little voice that say, says, come and, go, come and go here, come and do this. We need to stop and we need to say, wait a minute, I don't work for that guy anymore. I'm working for Jesus now. But what about our relationship with sin? Do we have any loyalty to sin? The answer is no. Even though we might think so, even though we might think, I have to sin or I'm a slave to sin, we need to realize that Jesus has redeemed us out from that. We're not slaves to sin anymore. Remember 1 Corinthians 6.20, which says, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the whole purpose of to being a Christian. It's not so that we can only go to church. It's not so that we can only go to community group. It's not only that we can only sing songs. It's so that we can glorify God with our life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If we're going to choose Jesus, our next step then is to glorify God in our lives. That's the purpose, to serve him. And there's many different ways that we can do that. 
One of the easiest ways to view it is as a full-time job. Once we accept this, we then have a full-time serving God. It's not a part-time job. It's not a temporary job. It doesn't have a three-month probation. It's a permanent job. It's for the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives to glorify God. And that continues afterwards. When we die, we go to heaven and we're with God for eternity. And we carry on glorifying him then. This is all because Jesus bought us with a great price. He bought us with his blood. In that one selfless act, Jesus set you free. And he set me free. We're enslaved by sinful habits, by addictions. We're enslaved by sin. And the only hope we have of being set free is Jesus. Jesus gave himself as a slave, ransoming us from the power of sin and Satan. He set us free. He set me free. And he set you free. Let's pray. Father God, maker of heaven and earth, I thank you that if we believe in you, we are free. Thank you for the ransom that you paid for us. Thank you for the assurance and the hope we have in you. Thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. And as we go about this week thinking, meditating on your truth of redemption, may it challenge our heart and mind to live a life that will glorify you and you alone. Amen. The word of God says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And one of the worst things that can happen is Somebody can be set free but not know it and still live like a prisoner, still live like a slave. Thinking that this is my lot and this is one of the wonderful promises of the gospel. To all who believe, God gives the, the right for us to be the sons of God, co-inheritors, no longer servants but friends and that has a practical reality as it connects with our lives and our hearts we don't have to do the things that we so often do and yet hate doing we don't have to do them we've been set free set free to glorify God I'm going to ask the team to come up and um Join us as we just um, have one more song and ask if we could stand. You know, one of the beauties of the gospel is that when we appreciate and understand truly the price that was paid for us to be set free, we willingly and voluntarily become what's known as a bond slave. And although we've been set free from slavery, 
to sin and Satan, we recognize willingly a new form of slavery, and that's a, a voluntary, willing commitment to serve Jesus as our Lord and our Master. Some of us may have felt that I was free already. <laughs> and I just come to God so that he can kind of add, add a few bolt-ons to my life to improve things. But actually, no. It is, our lives are no longer our own. Our lives belong to Christ because he bought us. He purchased us with his own life. And therefore it is no longer us that are to live, but Christ who lives in us. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for your goodness toward us. The greatness of your grace. You see, we were slaves to sin and Satan and deserve to be. Such is our nature. We lived in defiance of you. Sometimes in overt ways and others very subtle. But ultimately we had a great idol in our lives that held us captive and it was our own selves. Our own will. Putting ourselves before you, the great almighty God. Saying our will be done, not your will. That we must increase and that actually you must decrease to serve us. And yet still you came. You gave your son as a ransom. In order that those who would believe would be set free and enjoy true freedom. Enjoy true freedom. Lord Jesus, you said you came to give life and life abundantly, life without limit. And we recognize that you have bestowed on us, you have granted to us what we didn't deserve. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace toward us. And may we live as people who have been set free. May we truly, truly live as though we have been set free. That we wouldn't any longer believe Satan's lies that says to us we're still captives. We're still under his dominion. We're still under the control of sin. Truly we are free. And we thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for every person here today who has yet to truly experience that freedom because they've yet to submit to you as Lord, submit to you as Master. And it seems ironic, Lord, the way to freedom is submission. The way to true freedom is to actually submit ourselves and say, I'm prepared to serve and be your servant. And become your slave. And such is your kingdom. And yet we, Lord, know that that is the only way. And Lord, I pray that, you know, through the, the, the sharing of your gospel truth today, Lord, that eyes will have been opened and hearts turned toward you. And that, Lord, you would truly draw those people to yourself. Grant them the courage, Lord, and the understanding 
that you are good. That you are a good God who loves your people. And that your desire is to bless and not curse. It's, it's not to oppress. And so thank you, Lord. Have your way in our lives, we pray. Now and always, in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.